Welcome to the DRF Sports Podcast, brought to you by DRF Sports. America's most trusted name in horse racing is now providing sports bettors with exclusive data, analytics, previews, videos, and expert picks on all major sports. Bet smarter and have more fun doing it. It's the DRF Sports Podcast, and now your host, Sheldon Alexander. Ready, set, bet. This is the DRF Sports Podcast. Make sure you like and follow wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Sheldon Alexander. A reminder, we do this twice a week. On Tuesdays, we recap the week that was, and on Fridays, we make our picks. And to be honest, I'm kind of thinking, are we for real? A month into the NFL season already? But yet, here we are. Last week, we broke pretty much even on the pod in terms of picks given out against the spread, but we also had some upsets like the Jets and Giants, just to name a few. But as always, if you're wondering why I'm telling you to check out drf.com sports, it's because that's where you can get all of the information that you need because the site's got the details and insights power trends, line movements, team stats, and even more betting angles, including our guy Scott Grambling's weekly six-pack in both the NFL and NCAA. So make sure you check it out, drf.com slash sports. That's where you need to be every day for all of the usual previews, plus we go in-depth on this podcast. However you want your betting information, we've got you covered. On today's show, I need some help from my guy Matt in terms of getting over some of my picks this weekend, where I went wrong, what we got right, and how I'm going to get back on track for next week in week five. It's a Tuesday edition of the DRF Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Well, he's back yet again, and he saved my account this weekend with some great underdog picks. And of course, as always, there are some things that I didn't really listen on. When will I learn? (laughs) But that's what makes this so much fun. The back and forth between us, Mr. Matt Russell is back and we're a month into this NFL season. How are you feeling so far, my dude? A little, little groggy, first and foremost, another late night, uh, Monday night football game last night not because the game was thrilling or went to overtime, but because we had a lightning delay in a, in a dome. So Mm. Uh, okay, sure. That doesn't make a ton of sense. And listen, you know, you say I saved you, right? Uh, you know, here or there. Here's why you don't listen sometimes, because sometimes <laughs> I say things like Raiders plus three and a half. Now that line ends up closing at three. So we get a little closing line value, but there was a point before that game started as we were waiting for that game to start where I sat back and I realized to myself, you have bet on John Gruden And Derek Carr going up against Staley and Herbert. And, you know, just fundamentally, like we try not to get too wrapped up in who the quarterbacks are as the be all and end all. And then to a lesser extent, who the coaches are. But those two combinations, man, you know, like I'm just sitting there going like, we are going to lose this bet. Right. And for all of the, you know, for everything that happens and, you know, 21 nothing start and like the Raiders, you know, it's LA. So the Raiders show up fashionably late to their own game. Not really, you know, the smartest move necessarily. But for all of that, it's still 21 14 with the Raiders having the ball. And of course, John Gruden decides, you know what? Let's kick a field goal, right? Let's turn a one possession game where we need a touchdown into a one possession game where we need a touchdown. So listen, do we do stupid things? Yes. Do I do stupid things? Absolutely. 
But I think the point you made there was, you know, it was a little money line stuff because we ended up splitting, you know, the weekend from an ATS standpoint against the spread standpoint, right? And everybody likes to hype the record. We talk about the records, you know, you know, against the spread. But like, this is sports betting, right? This isn't just sort of picks and record keeping. And there's more than one way to do it, right? There's more than one way to salvage your weekend. So I was going to say like, yeah, the money lines worked out to save us and get us up over, uh, you know, up you know, into the green, as they say. Uh, and also the teases, right? Teasers, like you have to deploy those. Those worked really well again this week, uh, along with some props, you know, like all of the other stuff that we do that, you know, you can catch over at, you know, at MRUS Authentic on, uh, on my Twitter feed. Uh, all of that stuff, right? Like that's all part of the stew. So yeah, the ATS record was, you know, five and five. Um, that's not ideal, right? You know, fortunately, it was a three and two week for me in the contest. So that wasn't necessarily a disaster. But yeah, there's just a bunch of other ways to go about doing it. And and luckily, it was actually a pretty good week from that standpoint. Yeah, and you're, you're totally right. Because in a normal instance, I would come on and I'd be so rattled because I gave away a week a week three record of 10 and six to a week four record of six and 10. And normally right. you would see me on here and I'm like all depressed and mad and frustrated, but you know, figuring some different things out, we're still building and learning and acquiring information about certain teams as we continue to go forward with this season. And Hey, the money lines do help. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the money sure. line picks do help. Sure. And we will get yeah. to some of those picks as this is a Tuesday pod where we recap the weekend that was in both college and the NFL. And I feel as if, though, we need to discuss the Sunday night. You know, it was Adele's return. Sure. I don't know if you realize this. Adele's return. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, yeah, it wasn't yeah. Adele's return? No. She's oh. back from the other side. We're <laughs> <clears throat> going to the other side. I don't know. I haven't gotten into the into the liner yeah. notes on, on what Adele's doing. Yeah, so Google we should probably lyrics, you know? <laughs> we should probably talk about this for the next you know full week, right? Because yeah. we're gonna talk about a game in advance for a full week. We should probably talk mm-hmm. about it after the fact for a full Agreed. week. So Agreed. um yeah, listen, you know, it's funny, right? It's not a hard bet to make. If you sort of no. not, not to say if you know what you're doing or whatever, but it's not a hard bet to make on the Patriots plus the seven points, right? Like whether it's from a valuation standpoint where, you know, I could never get past like four and a half for that game or, you know, what you watch some injuries pile up uh, both you know before the game. Certainly, you know, Rob Gronkowski, the defensive backfield for Tampa Bay as well. And so, yeah. you know, you just got to go like and, you know, by the way, right, like we always know, especially on the Sunday night or right once. Uh, you know, there's some leverage on one side or another from a betting standpoint. We see the 95% of the money and the tickets and all of that sort of thing. It's like, okay, like I get why that's the case. I get why everybody's rolling in on it, but there's a very reasonable chance here that the Patriots cover this game. And if you can make that case, right, we we had Belichick turning on the rain again. He did it, right? We talked about it last week. He pulled (laughs) it off. He's controlling the weather yet again. Like the guy's amazing. But if you can make that case, Right. Like and you're getting value like you have to pull the trigger on that bet. Now you end up watching that game like just in a state of, you know, I made the joke online. I was like a Duke basketball player, like in a defensive crouch, slapping the floor the entire game because it's like I'm part of the team. Like I'm trying to will them to a defensive stop on Brady. I'm trying to will them down the field as they (laughs) as they nickel and dime it with with Mac Jones. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to watch. And it's not. But that's the point. 
right? It's yeah. never supposed to be an easy, you know, easy, not the easiest bets, but like the best bets are never supposed to be easy because you are getting a couple of points of value. There isn't some massive, you know, thing where it's like, well, the Patriots are actually better than the Bucks. It's like, no, that's not the yeah. case. But you're, if you're getting a couple points of value, then you know that it's going to be hanging around that point spread, right? We never know. Are they going to go for two? Is Antonio Brown going to catch this ball for a touchdown? All of that sort of stuff, right? And so, I mean, that's all from the betting perspective, right? And I haven't even said the words necessarily Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but um, you know what, if we can't hype that, you know, we didn't really talk about the hype concept of the game last week, but if we can't hype that game where somebody wins six Super Bowls and is <laughs> with the team for 20 years yeah. and then goes away and then comes back, you know, as a defending champion, like what can we hype at that yeah. point? Right. So like, I'm not beating people up. And, and the big thing was like, have you heard they're going up against each other? It's like, yeah, like why are like this is of course why we're, we're talking here. about it? Like this is what we do here, right? Like, are yeah. we going to talk about Jacoby Reset's return to Miami, or you know, or, 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 or you know, facing off against his former Colts? Like, no, like that's the dumb stuff, right? This is the actual good stuff. And so, uh, I thought the game was outstanding. You know, you get people needing like a 35, 36, you know, type score. I, you know, I love that stuff, man, where every defensive possession, every score means something. Every time you get into field goal range, that means something. And if, you know, somebody fumbles the ball while in field goal range, it feels like a catastrophe because you're giving away those three points. Like that's football to me. Yeah. And, you know, I complain about the new era of football and having to adjust to, you know, first one to punt loses. Mm-hmm. But like that was really fun. You know, throw a little rain into the mix. And, and, and you know, that's that's right where I want to be as far as watching a game is concerned. I agree. And and for football nerds, I think it was such an interesting like chess match, right? Because Collinsworth did a good oh, job yeah. of describing what Brady was seeing and how Belichick did a good job of just of uh, of hiding what the defense was going to do, where the blitzes yeah. were coming from, what kind of defenses they were in. It was so cool to watch. And then even just the development of Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Finally, they realized, hey, we got to just spread them out. Let them do his thing. Let them cook essentially yeah. right yeah. and just let Looking him throw those little yeah yeah <laughs> and it, it was an interesting game to watch and then you mentioned the seven points right we both were here saying seven points is a lot of points they almost won that game we we're talking about us talking about money line sprinkles sure. they should I, I can't say they should have won the game because yeah. you know it's fourth and three you can argue back and forth i personally was stunned that they went for the field goal there but I also understand. And like, yeah. it's not like he missed the field goal horribly. Like it went off the upright, you know? So yeah, that's, that's why we're here. It lived up to the hype, came down to the wire. And I will say, I know you don't buy into this as much. I'm the cliche guy here. Uh Oh, but the football gods were not going to let Antonio Brown catch that touchdown. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> it just Fair. wasn't going to happen, right? It's Fair. like, not this guy. <laughs> yeah. Not this guy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not this guy. Not right here. Not right now. Amazing game. And we almost cash on the money line. Definitely cash on the plus seven. But from some good quarterbacking to some not so good quarterbacking. And I lost some bets on the weekend against the spread. Just, just follow me here for a second here. Lost a few sure. bets against the spread on the Steelers because Big Ben looks a little more cooked <laughs> than we give him credit for as the season goes along. Yeah. Our guy Teddy Two Gloves goes down for the Broncos and they go down to the Ravens. And then my guy with my squad, the Niners, Uh-oh. lose to the Seahawks. Yeah. But that game, you know, it was a weird game. And obviously the big news coming out of that is Jimmy G hurt again. 
it was Trey Lance time. Now, a lot of QB issues for me this week, just a lot of things going down. But of those three things, which one do you think will have the biggest impact from a gambling perspective going forward, just market wise, in terms of Big Ben being washed, no Teddy (laughs) two gloves for the Broncos or the Trey Lance era? Well, it's funny, right? Because we have a Broncos Steelers game here coming down the pipe. And so, um, you know, what do you make the number with Drew Locke? Because he comes in and I always, always, always give the benefit of the doubt to the quarterback that has to come in halfway through the game. Right. Because he doesn't get. Yeah, because he doesn't get the week, you know, the the reps that week. And so, you know, a lot of the time, like we saw it with Jacoby Brissett. You know, before this past week, we saw that when he had to come in against the Bills and it's like disjointed. We talked about the left handed, right handed thing and how the offense has to, you know, almost flip from a mirror standpoint. But at least they get a a week's worth of practice to sort of, you know, adjust instead of him just getting thrown in there and being like, hey, you know, how you were throwing off to the side with, you know, some of the practice squad guys all week. Well, now you're going up against the Buffalo Bills. So it's the same kind of deal. So, you know, listen, and Drew Locke is an easy punching bag, right? Like he's just a guy that like we like to kind of make fun of because he's kind of a you know goofy uh, dude. And so, you know, that being said, it's like, OK, well, if he ends up starting, we don't necessarily know this, right? Because Teddy Bridgewater's, you know, in concussion protocol. What does that necessarily mean? Right. We never know whether that means like three weeks or, you know, three hours when it comes to the NFL. So. In general, like I don't want to overreact too, too much. And maybe Bridgewater ends up playing. The Ben Roethlisberger thing is fascinating because like every week he's just more disappointing to us, right? Like we just like, well, maybe. And then, and and, and, like, like we took the points with Pittsburgh and like, I think that wins a lot of the time. I mean, it was just a 10 point game when we're talking about getting six and a half or seven points, depending on where your buy point uh, was that week. And, you know, listen. Uh, what should have would have could have been one of the great plays of the year was the field goal block in return for a touchdown. And that's a 10 point swing right there. Right. Mm-hmm. But they time it too well because, you know, we got old guys referee in these games and like their vision, not necessarily up to snuff where <laughs> we've got like, you know, half of the, the Steelers, you know, field goal block team jumping right at the moment that the football moves yeah. for the green bay long snapper right and then of course but of course we you know because we can't have nice things you know the referee throws the flag that had to have been offside because nobody blocks a field goal like that and it's like well they do if they time it perfectly so i know i kind of got off track when it came to the quarterback thing but okay. i just wanted to ma- you know you know mention that because it's like they had all kinds of opportunities to cover that game even before getting to the whole Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers offense just being flat out broken, right? Where you're yeah. throwing the ball on fourth down two yards down the field. Like it's infuriating. And the times that they do throw it down the field, right? Like they're just a little bit off kilter as far as the timing and stuff is concerned. So it isn't just that Ben is like washed because he is getting the ball down the field on a couple of shots. Yeah. It's just kind of messed up, right? Like the timing and like Juju Smith-Schuster's not cutting just enough to the inside and and all of that stuff is going down where you're going and listen there's no run game to speak of and all of that right so like from an adjustment standpoint like we're just going to consistently adjust the Steelers downwards Mm -hmm. and we probably have waited too long to do it as much as we should right like because we keep having that belief that like the defense will carry the day or maybe they'll get a run game going at some point or something along those lines right but the big one right, is the Trey Lance situation. And yeah. 
we've heard now like Jimmy G, maybe it's not that bad. And maybe he could even play this week. And like, there's all kinds of chaos. I like the 49ers this week against the Cardinals. That is just my sort of like sicko, you know, <laughs> life of living, you know, betting against the NFL where it's like, you have to kind of George Costanza it, right. Where you have yeah, to yeah, just yeah. kind of do the opposite of what you think you should be doing. And so, yeah, like I can be really snippy sometimes. I don't know if people know that out there. Um, I, and, and I can come in and be like, well, 49ers fans, like how's that Trey Lance life going as he's just like zipping balls. Like, you know, if Jimmy G was zipping balls a yard over people, heads Trey Lance is zipping oh. balls four yards over people's heads and you know they make that they make the connection on the broken coverage but like I'm pretty sure you or I could come in and make that throw for the 70 yard you know touchdown to Debo Samuel um so you know I'm not going to give him necessarily a ton of credit for that but what happens here is at least they get practice this week and they can go and they can put in all of the stuff that Trey Lance does best, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's bad for the wide receivers uh, from a fantasy football standpoint for the 49ers because the ground game becomes way more critical here uh, against the Arizona Cardinals who obviously come off a really great win. And so that's an automatic thing where you go, okay, buy low, sell high. Right, <laughs> yeah. low on San Francisco or sell high on the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll see if this number gets up to like a full six, something along those lines, because you know San Francisco is going to be at least competitive in this game, and they have a week to have to install the Trey Lance stuff and just go Trey Lance offense. So it actually might be a negative if Jimmy G is not even necessarily ready to go, but like game time decision, like how much reps, you know, does he take away from Trey Lance this week in mm -hmm. practice? Like, I don't want that. I want a hundred percent of first team reps to go to Trey Lance and let's get him comfortable. Let's get the plays in there that he's comfortable with the throws that he's comfortable with. And then obviously a lot more run plays for him as well. And off of what he does well. So that one's the big one, as far as an adjustment, because listen, there's no way the Cardinals should be, you know, five and a half, six point favorites, even at yeah. home against San Francisco, right? Like that's just not a thing that should exist. So I think from an overreaction standpoint, that's the game that we want to focus on maybe zigging when a lot of people are zagging based on a half, you know, watching, watching Trey Lance for a half. I like it. Speaking of the zigging and zagging though, there yeah. are a lot of zigging and zagging this weekend in terms of the New York football teams, because I don't <laughs> think right. a lot of people were riding with the New York football teams, but we, we, Hands are hands are raised here. If you had both the Jets and the Giants, this yeah, weekend. buddy. And when was the last time that happened? <laughs> like, Maybe. seriously, think about that for a second, right? right? Like, I'm that's sure I had them, but like, it didn't go well. Right? <laughs> like, I'm probably I've probably efforted this sort of thing before, and it just went incredibly poorly. And for a while there, I thought it was going to go really poorly again. Right? I'm watching the Jets game, and like, I'm the one who's got the Jets game on the main screen along with all the other screens, <laughs> and I have yeah. a second, you know, I think it was my third screen uh, dedicated entirely to the Giants, and I'm just sort of sitting there going back and forth going like what kind of life is this you know what kind of <laughs> life is this to lead because every time the jets do something well like there was a part of the play that did not go well at all and that, for the first half right and you're just going like this tennessee titans team again no fault of their own if you will right because obviously the offense was compromised you know the defense is entirely their fault but um you know they're they're hanging in this game and you're just going like if it was any competent team the jets would run away 
with this game and they end up taking the seven point lead late and you know they, there's a fourth down breakup and, and here comes the flag and that keeps the drive alive and it's just like the mother of all sweats right and meanwhile like the giants like they can't decide what to do on fourth down they're kicking field goals and they're missing 36 yarders after not going forward on fourth and one or fourth and two and you're just kind of like okay like the coaching is going to screw this up like i don't you know the jets coaching is it's certainly suspect but the yeah. players are also, you know, pretty, you know, green, if you will. No, you know, pardon the pun. Um, but the Giants, right? Like the, the players are actually pretty good. Yeah. Like Daniel Jones doesn't stink, right? It's just putting him in a position to succeed. And like, is Jason Garrett doing that? Is Joe Judge doing that? Are they making, you know, positive expected value decisions out there? <laughs> and the answer is by and large, no. But like they're pulling off plays, right? Saquon Barkley, like a deep touchdown. And like... It, it's all right there for the taking, right? The and when we're when we're talking about upsets of the week and like you know our, our red light special, right? We're looking for teams who are ripe, right? They're ripe for a loss almost more than the team who is like going to do anything special from a you know a rating standpoint, right? Like we figured the Jets were going to play to the top end of their rating. We figured the Giants were going to do the same because for whatever reason the Giants always do that on the road or frequently do that so on the road. Right. And then, and it's like, okay, well, that's great. They're going to play better, but like, are the, is the other team going to play down to the bottom edge of their rating? And like, we kind of could figure out why Tennessee was going to, we saw the market move massively in direct in that direction, which we talked about on Friday, but same thing with the giants and the saints where you go, okay, are the saints, the saints need to sort of cooperate here by not playing particularly well. Right. And it's like mm -hmm. Kamara, you're always worried about him, but if you can focus on him, like you're forcing Jameis Winston to beat you and you're forcing, you know, Taysom Hill to do things. And as long as none of those things sort of happen drastically, both teams are going to be in that game. And then it's just a matter of our boy Jabril Peppers winning the coin toss highlight of the season. <laughs> so Absolutely watch that clip. We cannot <laughs> run that clip because it's not because it's not family friendly. Uh, but he wins the coin toss and it's outstanding. And and yeah, like and you just sit there, and you go, wait, hold on a second. This worked. Jets and Giants. Like, yeah. Who would have thought, you know, look at us. Here we are. And <laughs> here we are. And so like that was really outstanding. But again, it's more, you know, it's sort of like 60, 40 on like, uh, who are the teams I want to fade this week? And can mm -hmm. that other team like walk in to that opportunity, right? Can they pick up that opportunity and, and, and take advantage of it? And who knew, right? Like the Jets and yeah. Giants could both do it. I just want to emphasize the point too, because people might not realize how big survivor pools are and yep. the, the, the great call of last week of just avoid the Titans in survivor, <laughs> right. because I know it comes down yeah. to wins and losses, but sometimes like, yeah. you know, when it's that close, like, right. do you want to be in that mix? Like I was chilling, sitting back with the bills and chiefs, right? Yeah, like right. two survivor teams sitting back, chilling, just like, Ooh, very glad I did not take the Titans. Cause I'd be cheesed watching that game <laughs> and Tannehill <laughs> get sacked out of field goal range yet right. again. <laughs> well, like, and we talked about it, right? We talked about it with the Bengals and the Bengals are the same case. And it's like, for me, I'm like, do you want to take the Bengals? before they've proven anything, right? Do you exactly. want to take the Titans when they're not at their best? And I know that they're playing the Jets or whatever, but like, 
And that might be the best time to use them. Right. And I still would argue, like, I don't know that there's ever a good time to use the Bengals, but again, if they end up being good enough to be in a top, a top 20 team, then I'll find another spot to use them, you know, and maybe that's at the end of the season where they're still really trying in week 17 or 18. But as far as the Titans are concerned, like I get, okay, they're playing the jets, but they're also going on the road and they are handicapped from their, from, you know, from an injury standpoint. And like, why would you want the not best version of that team? Right. So why I've stayed away from the Packers using the Packers so far. And like, they still won the games, right. Mm -hmm. They beat the lions and all of that sort of thing. But like, if I don't know that your offensive line is going to be able to protect now, the Packers have done a great job as far as protecting, but like, if I don't know that this part of your team is fully, you know, capable right now, I mean, you look at the bucks going forward with the injuries to their defensive backfield. It's like, do I want to trust the bucks this week, for example, against Miami? Now you can look at Miami and be like, that team stinks like Jacoby Brissett and like all of that sort of thing. And like, that all makes sense. But like, if it's just a bunch of backups back there with Winfield out and Carlton Davis probably out for a really long time. And you already had a couple of guys missing and it's like Richard Sherman's off the street and some other guys now <laughs> probably going to come off, have to come off the street. And you're just like, that's not the bucks that I want to be backing. Like I know it's the dolphins and I know they're at home and all of that sort of thing, but like, that's not the version of this team that I want to be backing. I rather take them against a better team later on in the season when Ron Rob Gronkowski's back, when the defensive backfields, you know, figured out from an injury standpoint. So like, it's just not as simple as looking at the logo and being like Titans better than jets. Like let's just take Titans or Bengals better than Jaguars. Let's just take Bengals here. Like make these teams prove to you that they are worth you using in survivor and you know don't just get sort of blindly you know locked in on on the sort of branding issues of of the teams that you were both backing and the teams that you were fading as well and in another example of things might not always be as easy as it seems let's get to some of our big thoughts for betting and handicapping right and the cards had a pretty big win over the ramps this weekend right they won pretty comfortably Now, when you think of narratives, Arizona came in, they were 0-4 against McVeigh. That's over. The Cards are now a top five team in both offense and defense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you this question. How do you have the NFC West ranked right now at this moment after the Cards' big win? Yeah, and it's funny, right? Like I had, I write a column at every week for the score about how, uh, you know, how my ratings change, right. And how to evaluate, you know, X team off of, you know, Sunday's results. And do we move them up? Do do we move them down? Do we not move them at all? Because again, fundamentally it's one game and we're getting to NBA and NHL season, right. Where it's like, and I'm going to tweet this out. You can lock this in, right. Schedule the tweet right now for after four games in the NBA season, right. Because what I do is I say, Hey, would you evaluate this team? Pick a team, Lakers, Raptors, Heat. Would you would you evaluate this team after four games as strictly and maniacally as we value and evaluate these football teams after four games, right? And we talk about how it feels like they play the game over and over and over again throughout the week, right? Like that's how insanely we sort of look at this. And so mm-hmm. from a Rams-Cardinals standpoint, listen, that line closes, you know, certainly we talked about how it started at six. Obviously that was nuts. And then it goes down to four and a half and that closed four or even three and a half in some spots. Right. So obviously a ton of sharp money on the Cardinals. We were on the Cardinals. We hit the money line on the Cardinals. That was one of them that we, that we got this past weekend. And so but the point is, is like, it wasn't such a lock that the Cardinals were going to win that game where they were favored. And if you played that game tomorrow in Los Angeles, do you think the Cardinals would be favored in that game? 
No, because they're starting from scratch again, right? Zero, zero. And so how do we evaluate that going forward? Well, we have to look at, you know, the box score and what happened in the game and all of this, and all of that sort of thing. So people ask me for my ratings specifically like one through 32 and I'm the fool who goes and gives them that. Right. And so I put that out there. And of course, all I take is heat because, you know, who knows, maybe somebody's favorite team isn't ranked high enough or, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. But like, Switch the order of the games, right? If the Cardinals had beat the Rams and then the Rams had beaten the Bucks, people would still be pretty high on the Rams, right? But because those things happened in a different order of operations, all of a sudden it's like, well, look out, here come the Cardinals. Same sort of deal, right? If they had lost to the Vikings or if that game gets played and the Vikings kicker makes the kick against the Cardinals and now they're not the last undefeated team, right? We don't think as highly, but we get like so locked in on records, right? Well, listen, the Raiders were 3-0 and coming into that game against the Chargers yesterday. And, you know, the Chargers were 2-1. and so if we're just going off of records, then we absolutely should have, you know, bet the Raiders and had expected the Raiders to win. So the point is, is like, even though that game happened going forward, if they play that game again, it's going to be the same, it's going to be the same or close to its spread. Maybe it's three instead of three and a half or something along those lines. But look at this, the NFC West odds to win that division right now are yeah. basically a dead heat between the Cardinals and the Rams. Hmm. And the Cardinals have an extra game. And the Cardinals have a tiebreaker right now, but we're still not ready to fully favor the Cardinals in that division over the Rams because the market realizes it was just one game, right? And we go into the box score and we look and we go, okay, well, how do the teams do? Well, the Rams turned the ball over twice and Arizona didn't. Okay. And so if we're talking about a two score, you know, three score type of a game, if one team's turning the ball over twice and the other team isn't, that's going to be a pretty big deal, right? Like you can all, if you, if we could just go back in time and you could tell me that the Rams were going to turn it over twice and the Cardinals weren't, I'd be like, okay, now we're going to really go nuts on betting the Cardinals, <laughs> right? Like, and again, I bet the Cardinals, you don't have to yeah. sell me on how good the Cardinals are relative to the Rams, but we don't get to know that. Right. And listen, there's a world when the car, where the Cardinals turn the ball over twice and the Rams don't turn the ball over. And I can tell you that the score would be considerably different if that was the case. Then we get into yards per play. Okay. Fundamentally on a per play basis, how did each team do offensively, defensively? It was dead even. It was 6.3 for the Rams to 6.2 for the Cardinals. Now the Rams got a little boost at the end with a garbage time drive. And I understand that. So maybe it's a little bit lower. Maybe it's a 6.2 to 6.0, something along those lines. But the point is, is like, it's not like the Cardinals defense just stood up any more than the Rams defense did because they both gave up six yards per play. Right. And it's not like the offenses were, you know, any different really. Right. It's just the Cardinals converted, whereas the Rams turned the ball over, whether it was on fourth down or interceptions or whatever. So when we look forward to the next game between these two teams or any game going forward, these are the things that we have to evaluate in the box score because any idiot, and I promise you, there are a ton of them who just look at the score and, and just what happened this week. And they make bets off of that. Right. So they immediately are going to bat, going to go to bat for the Cardinals this week. They are going to fade the Rams this week on Thursday night football. Same thing with Patriots and the Bucks. Right. And so that's just how, you know, the, the, the meme, like this is how we win, right? Like this is how we win by getting a little bit deeper and seeing what really happened in these games to try to come up with something predictive going forward. 
I was going to say, uh, I'm a fan of the wire. And the, one of the famous lines is the game is the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what, that's one of the things where you, once you pick up and you realize certain things, you're just like, Oh, okay. I, I see what's going on here. I, I got you. I got you. One of our other seasonal themes that I like to bring up every week on this pod with you is the teams that no one wants one week and then likes the next. And mm-hmm. what are the teams that everyone wants one week? And no one likes the next. And he kind of touched on one of those teams just now, but elaborate a little for me. Like which team are you highlighting here? Yeah. And listen, it's going to be absolutely disgusting. And we're going to wait for as long as we possibly can before we make this bet. Okay. But the new England Patriots, right. And this is just fundamental handicapping in the NFL. Like this is like, if you just didn't know anything about, you know, football or the teams or anything like that, and you just looked at the market reactions. And this is a perfect example of what we talk about, right? If you go from a home underdog, right. And think about what a home underdog means. It means that despite the fact that you are playing at home, the market does not think you are going to win from a win probability standpoint, right? Like they are convinced that the road team is so much better than you that they are going to win this game. Yeah. And then if you, so if you're a home underdog, the way the Patriots are, and then you go on the road, right? And now you are a road favorite, i.e. you become the team that just absolutely can't lose in this situation. Right. And it, and, and six days have gone by from where you could absolutely not win this game to now you can absolutely not lose this game. Like that's a pretty wide gap in sort of potential results, right? Like that means that like Tampa and listen, they probably are, but like, that means like Tampa Bay is like 25 points better than the Houston Texans, <laughs> right? Like, and it's just like, this is the NFL. Like this is, um, you know, these are all professionals, right? Like we saw, you know, I keep referring back to the Buccaneers Falcons game where you're sitting there going like the Falcons stink, right? Like there is nothing to say that the Falcons do not stink. And that's a three-point game in Tampa Bay at the start of the fourth quarter a few weeks back, right? And that's, again, why we can sort of, you know, base ourselves in some logic here when we back a team like the Patriots at home that nobody wants anything to do with. Now they travel to Houston. And remember, we talked about the Ravens game last last year, the Sunday nighter. Belichick's controlling the weather. They managed to pull off the victory. Nobody can believe it. Nobody wanted anything to do with the Patriots. And who did they go on the road to the very next week? The Houston Texans, Houston Texans, like it's the exact same scheduling spot here. The only difference is Deshaun Watson's not walking through that door. I mean, he yeah. might be walking through that door, but they're not letting him put pads on. They're not letting yeah. him to go to the football field. They're not letting him in front of cameras. They are hiding him in the closet somewhere and he is not coming out. Mm-hmm. So we look at this and we go, okay, but does that mean we have to bet on the Texans? And the answer is like, yeah, man, oh. like, uh, it kind of is right. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like it's, it's just fundamental NFL betting. Now, again, mm-hmm. we're not putting our bankroll on it. This isn't a 10 X super banger, like yeah. whale play, whatever. These are just bets. You know, these are just yep. bets that accumulate over the course of the season. Right. And some are going to win and some are going to lose, but from a value standpoint, right. All we're seeing now, because we talk about teaser protection, this game isn't going to be minus seven where you can tease the Patriots down to minus one. It's mm-hmm. going to start at nine. So that if if you want to do a six point teaser, like you still have to give up the three points to the Texans here. So it's going to start at nine. Well, people are going to see nine and they're going to be like, well, it's not 10. And so they are going to bet it. And so this number is probably going to get to 10, at which point it becomes a definitive bet. And here's the other thing. If it doesn't get to 10, 
right? Mm -hmm. That means there's been some resistance in the marketplace. And so once ah. the point spread is made for any game, like remind yourself, any point spread that you think is suspect, just remind yourself after a week of betting on this, right? Where anybody could come in and the limits get moved up. And after a week of betting, everybody, it just landed on, you know, the concept of 50-50, right? Like, it, you know, this could end up 10, this could end up staying at nine. It could even drop down to seven and a half. But the point is, is the point spread's there because it's 50-50 that it could go either way. Otherwise, we'd all be retired by now because we would hit the obvious side. The obvious side would win. And then that would be it. Right. And so even yeah. something that doesn't look obvious or looks obvious in the favor of the Patriots, you have to remind yourself, like, if it were so obvious and everybody bet it and everybody won, like this whole operation here would be a lot easier. So it's super gross. But like, that's the best example we're going to have for a really long time here. Right. A team that was a seven point home underdog now going on the road as a nine, maybe more point favorite on the road. Like that's craziness. Like. Again, not comfortable because Davis yeah. Mills in the rain was, you know, the worst thing we've seen in the rain, you know, <laughs> yeah. ever. Uh, and so, like, you know, just unfortunately, like, that's 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 the life we live. And you can get into the whole concept of, you know, a Patriots letdown game and all of that sort of thing as well. But, yeah, just from a market standpoint, if you nothing else, these things, right, backing teams that go from home underdog to road favorite is an incredibly profitable system. There's a Davis Mills, Missy Elliott, I can't stand the rain reference that I could make, but I'm not yeah. going to, but I get yeah. your point and I'm just going to continue to move on. <laughs> yeah, we have never, nor will we ever refer to Davis Mills as super duper fly. <laughs> also true. <laughs> well played. So we'll talk about some bad beats. Was there a bad beat this week that kind of stood out to you more than the others when you look at the Sunday sked? Yeah, this one is like way deep in the under the radar here. Okay. Uh, Falcons, Washington, like Falcons plus one and a half. That line moved up to two uh, by close. That was a bad beat. Like not something that people were you know up in arms with. I don't know that that many people necessarily even bet that game because yeah. it's the Falcons and the Washington football team. But the Washington football team, like they're doing the thing where they move the ball into field goal range. They are down two points and all they need is the field goal to win the game. Yeah. And you'd go, okay, like, you know, we're talking with Taylor Heineke, like let's just get the ball into field goal range, kick the field goal. And like, it would suck if you had the Falcons money line, but Falcons plus one and a half in a pretty safe space. And he's running around and he rolls out to the left and you're just sort of going like, all right, man, just take a few yards and slide or like, let's get yeah. out of bounds here. Stop the clock. Like, <laughs> let's just work the clock down and like do the thing, which I felt like it used to happen all the time where the coaches would be like, okay, we're going to work the clock down and then we're going to kick a field goal and then we're going to win the game. And I don't know that that wasn't even the plan, right? I think I still think that was the plan, but he turns and he sees JD McKissick on the far side and he just goes, you know what? He's wide open way over there and he throws it over there. And you still, if you're a Falcons backer, are feeling pretty good that he's going to get tackled here with mm -hmm. 35 yards of, of, of green grass, if you will, in the way. And like he does the dive to the pylon and like gets it, you know, barely gets in. And you're sitting there going like, Falcons plus one and a half was like really good. Like we, mm -hmm. we had it all, we had it all planned out, right? We're going to get it down, kick the field goal, move on with our lives and no. Right. And now it's okay. There's two point conversions and Matt Ryan's got the ball back and like, listen, it's Matt Ryan without, you know, much in the way of timeouts. I don't think he might've had one timeout, but you go, okay. Like, you can now lose the ball game here, Washington, right? Like the best chance their, their win probability is basically a hundred percent 
if he gets knocked out of bounds at the one yard line, yeah. right? You take a knee, you kick the field goal and, and we move again, we move on with our lives. And so it's one of those where they review it. And like the Falcons are, are in theory, not wanting him to score, but like Washington also shouldn't have wanted him to score. Exactly. Right. But he scores anyway. And so for me, that was a bad beat. That wasn't like, you know, people were flying all over the, all over the uh, internet, you know, going nuts about, uh, and this wasn't necessarily a bad beat, but like, I think it's worth mentioning just before we kind of move on here, but like the lions and bears, you know, we were on the lions plus three. And like, I think there's a ton of different times that that game gets played where the lions cover and even potentially win that game outright. I mean, how many times do you need to be in a goal to go situation, Jared Goff, before you actually score a touchdown? Because our guy was goal to go three times, three times in the first half. And you and I talk about all the time, like game script, right? And if something goes a certain way, drastically, one way or another in the first quarter or the second quarter, it affects what happens the rest of the way. We've got three examples of the Lions here not scoring when they are first in goal to go and and literally zero points. Like we're not talking, oh, they settled for a field goal when they were at the seven or anything like that. Like and not even like really strong defensive plays like Jared Goff, like basically, you know, the fumble that gets booted directly to the Bears. And you're sitting there going like they're moving the ball, right? It's the yards per play concept, right, where they are moving the ball down the field. So the idea that the Bears defense is just too much for the Lions is absolutely not the case, right? So they move the ball three times down the field to, to get, you know, decent, great scoring opportunity. Then they score 17 points, right? And then late in the game, they've got a fourth and one and a, a wide open receiver that Goff misses. Now, in that case, you go like, well, Jared Goff stinks and like, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's not a difficult throw to make. So they have four different instances where they are inside the 10 and score zero points and they score 17 actual points. Yeah. And you just go well, like, how many points would they normally have scored? Right. Again, if we replay this game over and over and over again, and they get these opportunities, like that's, you know, it's pretty fair to say that they would score 13 more points right like that's very conservative that like of those four chances yeah. one of them's a touchdown two of them are field goals and one is like where jared goff gets a snap stuck in his mask and somebody like <laughs> comes and picks it up off of his face you know like we're even building in stupidity for the lions in that like really conservative estimate and yeah. so like if they score 30 against the bears like i think we're all impressed right whether they win or lose i think we're really impressed with how they play so they blow it, right? Like they screw that up. And so, well, it's not necessarily a bad beat, right? I think that's a game that like, if they were playing that again this week and we were getting plus three with the Lions, I'm probably betting it again. So I'm not going to yeah. beat myself up about losing that game, which is, you know, you know, is what it is, I suppose. No, I got you, man. And, you know, we just talked a lot about the NFL and what just happened and also gave a little bit of a sneak preview towards what's going to happen in week five. Talked a lot about different no. lines, which comes with a reminder from me anyways is i always like to try to do remind the people there will be a lot more line movements and the best way for you to keep up with that is to head to drf.com sports for all the details and insights and the site you know has all of the data for every game including offensive and defensive stats different betting angles line movements key injuries head-to-head matchups and team stats you want to keep up with the line movements though because that that switches throughout the week as the bigger money starts to come in as the week goes along, lines start to change. Maybe your opinion starts to change as you see certain things ha- happening within the market. Bottom line, drf.com sports is where you need to go to stay up to date. 
But as you stay up to date with this pod, we're going to switch over to some college football action. And it was a massive week in college football. And, you know, our hurry up offense did all right. We were okay. We're still cooking at 60% for the season. We'll take that, obviously. But which mm-hmm. games stood out to you the most from a massive weekend in college football, including some big wins from some of the big boys? Yeah, and it's a two-horse race, right? We started at the top at the start of this year going, okay, there's five teams for four spots. And like there's still four spots, but there's only two teams, right? Like they're sitting there and it's like, you know, you're gonna meet your buddies for dinner or drinks or whatever. And like you get there, and maybe the guy that you don't necessarily like all that much <laughs> is, you know, he's there early because he's fired up because he's buddies, you know, better friends with the other two guys. And you just thought everybody was meeting at nine o'clock and now you're both sitting at the table and you're both getting texts from the other two guys. And like one guy's caught up in traffic and the other guy has kids and you know, that's just going to be a disaster. Like we might not even see him tonight. And like that whole scene is happening and you're just (laughs) sitting there like, you you know, there's two tables, you know, or two seats open at the table and you're just kind of like looking at the other guy and you're going like, so how's how's things how's work where where do you work now like you don't even really know him that well and yeah you're just like not that psyched like you did not sign up for just the two of you to be at dinner georgia and alabama are those two teams right like that is what they're doing they are sitting at the table like they're ordering drinks you know they're getting some appetizers they're like do you like you know they're trying to figure out what each other likes they're like do you like you know cheese sticks like or or, oh like a jalapeno popper is that is that really your move and so like they're sitting there and it's just like Ole miss comes to town and it's like see you later like oh undefeated matt corral and it's like boom gone uh arkansas comes to town for georgia and it's like they're out of here like just tossed aside right we talked about like the clunking heads together type thing and they just run over each other and so like these two teams are going to meet in the sec title game and one of them's going to win and they're going to shake hands and they're going to say see you in january because they are then going to meet again in the college football playoff and probably the final right and and here's my take on this and listen plenty of time for me to for me to make this bet and certainly I'm not necessarily saying for the championship. I think Georgia is going to beat Alabama. I think Georgia Ooh. is going to beat Alabama in the SEC title game. And if they don't, I think they're going to do so in the national championship game. And a lot of it stems from the idea that this Georgia, everybody but the quarterback is awesome on Georgia, right? Like everybody on, like just put like, if the Jets and Giants hadn't won, we'd be looking to replace the Jets or the Giants with basically all of Georgia's offense and defensive line. And I'm not sure there's a ton of NFL coaches that would be against that, right? Like they might trade their entire trench units for what's going on over at Georgia right now, because you knew five seconds into that game. Well, maybe more appropriately five minutes that Arkansas was in really big trouble, right? And fortunately for us, we were on top of the Alabama situation where we knew that like Lane Kiffin coming to town and the big scary offense wasn't necessarily going to fly against the Crimson Tide. I wish I had felt the same way about Georgia, but because the quarterback situation is so dicey where JT Daniels is in and out and you know, like it's, you're just not confident that they can throw the football. They might not have to. And we saw Florida run all over Alabama. And so it's not like any team can do it. This isn't the NFL where you're wondering why the Eagles didn't run the football more against the Chiefs because everybody can run the football against the Chiefs. This is if you have really, really good players, you can run the football against Alabama. And Florida has those players and Georgia absolutely has those players. So that's probably going to end up being an ugly game. But moreover, like I don't... 
I'm not loving what I'm seeing from Bryce Young. Like, I'm not afraid of Bryce Young. I'm afraid of everybody Bryce Young throws the football to or hands the football to when it comes to Alabama. But Georgia is the team that can match up with those guys, right? So it looks like Florida is outclassed athletically in the first half against Alabama. They tighten things up and they get it, you know, a tighter game in that second half. I don't think it's ever going to come to that where Alabama is just going to be blowing out Georgia, right? So I think that game, when it when it happens, again, a little far down the line here, but that's just the conclusion that I've come to watching both of these teams, that the adults on Georgia are absolutely capable of running with the Crimson Tide. So um, yeah, two, two horse race. They're waiting for dinner. They're just trying to figure out are our friends going to show up? Do we have to call somebody else here? Are we going to have to, you know, maybe there's some ladies at the bar that we need to talk to. Like they're looking to make alternative plans here. We just don't know who these other two teams are going to be just yet. Well, maybe one conference that wishes they were maybe a little more in the mix is the PAC 12. Some interesting action yeah. there in the PAC 12. Uh, I know UCLA has been, I keep bringing this up every week. I feel like every week when we talk about it, I'm always like, ah, oh, UCLA has been a talking point for you. I feel like the whole season, but just in terms of the PAC 12 in general, UCLA goes down to Arizona state. Was that the biggest thing or was there something else going on in the PAC 12 as well? Yeah. Yeah. Very sly way to ask that question. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, UCLA, like they go and, you know, it's Chip Kelly and it's LA and like you want them to be good, right? You want it so badly to be good. Maybe USC ends up being good and maybe they're both good and it's all relevant and all of that sort of thing. And then UCLA gets knocked off by Fresno State. And then we get this game. We talked about it. You know, have talked about it a couple of different times, right? The Arizona State UCLA game. We're going to figure out who's who and what's what in the Pac-12 South. And we did. Right. And we talked about it and we had Arizona State, you know, on the podcast on Friday, Arizona State cleans out UCLA and we see what Arizona State is capable of. And it makes their loss to BYU that same night as you know Fresno State beat UCLA. It makes that much more frustrating because, you yeah. go, OK, like the talent is there. And like if they could just, you know what I mean? Like if they could just do it, they've got the claws, they've got these fangs. And if they could, ju- it's a bunny and like the whole thing. And so you just go like, just don't screw it up. And that's the entire Pac-12, because like you said, the big story really because that UCLA and Arizona State wasn't quite the game we had hoped it was going to be because those two teams had lost Oregon, right? Oregon loses to Stanford. And it's again, like we're barely into October and already everybody on the Pac-12 has a loss. And like, that's just it, right? Like anybody relevant, I should say, at least has a loss. And so <laughs> you go, like you lost to Stanford. And listen, I, you know, we had Stanford in the, in the hurry up offense. I did a little money line dabbling on Stanford as well. So listen, I'm sitting there cheering for it. And there's some sketchy calls at the end and all of that sort of thing. Listen, <laughs> that's great. But like the Pac-12, you said like they're just trying to be relevant. And it's like they just can't do it. Like they're already out by and large. Now, Arizona State, yeah. right, with that win over U- UCLA and with obviously a full Pac-12 schedule and a potential match with Oregon in the final, if Oregon even gets there. And at this point, if they're losing to Stanford, who knows if they're even going, even going to get there. But at least they have something of a path to maybe steal a seat in the playoff. But like, Mm -hmm. again, like we talked about before the season, it's not really going to matter, right? Because even if they do, they're going to be three touchdown underdogs to Alabama and then three touchdown underdogs to Georgia if they even beat Alabama, which 
they are probably not going to. And so again, the Pac-12 just sits there, right? And like they can't have nice things. They are going to drop the vase on the floor and it's going to break into a thousand pieces. And that happened this weekend in the Pac-12, but they still exist, right? So there's still games and they're yeah. still, you know, they're, they are, they are ripe for upsets. And that's why we like the Pac-12 because you can call money line upsets like Stanford over Oregon. And obviously to a lesser extent, Arizona state against UCLA, because every team is so unpredictable, the predict unpredictability of the of the Pac-12 is so great that that's why we keep coming back to you Pac-12 that's why we keep coming back so you're talking about paths to the college football playoffs right there's about what 12 teams that are kind of in the mix but a big game this week the Red River rivalry yeah how does that play into all of this it's when you mentioned the dozen teams right and you're sitting there and you're like it's October you know, fourth or whatever. Right. And you're like this first week of October and you're, and you're down to 12 teams. And like, yeah, that's how for one college football works. And Mm -hmm. for two, how it works this season where we've seen a bunch of losses, right. And none of those 12 teams are Clemson, by the way, which like, if you told me (laughs) that I'd have been like, what are you nuts? Um, Yeah. We're down to 12 teams that if you go and you say, okay, well, if this team goes undefeated, Again, it has nothing to do with the likelihood of those teams going undefeated. But if you said, okay, if this team goes undefeated, they at least have a path with some help and other teams losing and all that sort of thing. They at least have a path to one of those four seats at the table. And so there's a bunch of really good games this weekend. And the first and foremost is the Red River rivalry, right? We've got Texas and Oklahoma here. And both of them have a path, right? Texas has that loss to Arkansas. And up until last week, that was looking like a really good loss. Now it's just sort of a medium-sized loss. But if they can beat Oklahoma this week, and then they can run the table in the Big 12, and they can maybe beat Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship, you know, people love Texas, right? They love the Longhorns. They want the Longhorns to be good, right? This is in the UCLA, USC category of like life is just better when this team is good in college football. And I'm really excited for this game because it hasn't been that for a really long time because a lot of times Texas will have lost a game early on the season. And, you know, they did this year, but like it's often to a team that isn't very good at all, right? There was some Maryland losses in there, again, you know, in, under the Tom Herman, uh, you know, regime. And so now we get this and it's a three-point spread here and like the game could go either way and Oklahoma's looked you know, they've won enough games, but they haven't looked great in Texas. Like they finally figured out the quarterback situation. You and I talked about Casey Thompson. Why is he not in? Guess what? He has been in for the last couple of weeks and they you know, threw 70 points down two weeks ago and then won relatively comfortably against TCU this past week in a game that in a lot of years they will trip up before the Red River rivalry. And so I'm really fired up. You're going to get your boy Gus Johnson in this game. He's going to be just yelling big 12 football and like he's going to be fantastic. So that game I'm really excited for, but these are two of the 12 teams that have a path to the championship here. And one of them is going to stay on that path with a win. And the other one is going to be on the outside looking in. I love it. And another race that we've been keeping an eye on is the Heisman watch. Who's the front runner now in this crazy race to win the Heisman trophy? Yeah, it's funny, right? I look at the odds and it's still Corral and Young Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know how closely you watch that game, but like we're going to give the Heisman to Matt Corral after he does virtually nothing for three quarters against Alabama. And like, that's his showcase. Now I know he was, you know, they were they beat up on Louisville on that Monday night game. The first, you know, the very first week of the season, but like, I don't know that we're going to see Ole Miss again in a sort of featured presentation type of a thing. Right. And so 
I'm looking at Corral and I'm like, I just don't see, you know, somebody has to be the favorite. Somebody has to be the front runner. And in this case, like Corral and Young are still there. And we've talked about Young. Like, I don't know how at this point you just give him the Heisman because he's got this best skill position players of everybody. Right. And I don't mean to sort of besmirch his good name here, but it's not like, you know, listen, we saw it with Mac Jones last year. They eventually just gave the award to Devontae Smith. And it's like, yeah, because the skill position players are so good. So I just think there's opportunity here where somebody is going to pop up. And, you know, we talk, we've talked about Desmond Ritter and like, obviously the Cincinnati victory against Notre Dame, like that helped his cause a lot. Huge. Now it would have been great if he had five touchdowns or something like that. But if you can go and have an interview before the game and say, I'm going to, we're going to silence South Bend, right? We're going to go to Notre Dame and undefeated Notre Dame again, debatable on how good that team necessarily is. But like, if you say that in ahead of time, and then do it where he is literally running into the end zone and throwing up the shush on Notre Dame. Like, isn't that the Heisman moment so far? This I can season? see the ESPN montage right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he was this close to doing the Heisman pose. Now maybe that comes over the next few weeks, right? Because now he goes into conference play. They did what they, we asked them to do. They yeah. went to, on the road to beat Indiana. They went on the road and beat Notre Dame. And now it's just a matter of, okay, can you go undefeated? So speaking of, you know, the, the place at the table, that's going to be a situation where Alabama and Georgia and like they both know Cincinnati, but they weren't invited to dinner. They just happened to be in the neighborhood. And all of a sudden, like Cincinnati's at the table. And they're like, I guess we're having dinner with Cincinnati. And yeah. so if that ends up being the case. Right. And we're sitting there going like Matt Corral, like, isn't that the guy who like didn't really do all that much against Alabama? And then we're looking at going like Bryce Young, like, OK, cool. And especially maybe he loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game. And then you're sitting there with a potentially 12 and 0 Cincinnati team and Desmond Ritter, who now has the opportunity to kind of catch up from a stats standpoint, like the just win games are over. And now it's like, Oh, you get ECU. Like let's throw five touchdowns against them. Like something like that, where we're going to pile up some stats here. I still think Ritter has an opportunity, but I've got a different guy here. So we've got, we've talked about Georgia and the idea, like the quarterback, like we don't even really know who's going to play on a week to week basis. You can't, you know, you're not going to give it to one of the running backs or one of the defensive players. That's just not a thing that's going to happen, right? Penn State, Iowa, we're going to talk about this game on Friday. That's another path game, but it's another example of quarterbacks that we're just not that psyched about. None of those guys are like, yeah, Heisman candidate, right? So some of these top five teams don't have the quarterbacks that normally the top five teams have. And so if it's not going to be Desmond Ritter as like an MVP candidate type of thing, it's just going to be a guy who's putting up gaudy statistics, right? Where we're just going to look at him and we're going to have like, he's doing what? And it's somebody that we haven't really thought of. And so I'm going to put forth to you a gentleman by uh, over with the Pittsburgh Panthers, their Ooh. quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Pick it. Pickett, which is a, just an unfortunate name for a quarterback. However, <laughs> 19 to one touchdown to interception ratio right now for Pickett. In his yards per attempt, he's got 10.3. That is like outstanding, first and foremost. It's second in the country to, I believe, Bryce Young, who again is going to have a really high yards per attempt because his players are so good that they break, you know, all kinds of runs. But he's fourth in the country in yards right now, right? And so like, do you need to lead lead the country in yards? No. Does it help? absolutely right or or being close by so you know he's racking up the yards he's about to get into the acc schedule which means two things right it's going to get tougher but it's also going to get more you know there's going to be more focus and 
as we've talked about, right, the ACC is absolutely up for grabs. So there's a decent chance he and his Pitt Panther team end up in the ACC title game, right, with a couple of victories. They have uh, Clemson at home, right? So they have these showcase games down the stretch here. And Pickett's already got a 19 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, which is by far the best in the country. He's a guy who's a pro type of prospect, right? They've talked to him uh, with him about uh, how he's, he's met with Peyton Manning and like, he's, you know, he's got him on speed dial basically. Right. So the story kind of eventually writes itself. Now we're not looking at Pittsburgh right now because they haven't had a signature win, but if they start piling up victories and find themselves in an ACC championship game where you're playing the very last weekend of the season, right? Like that matters, especially in a wide open race. If you were playing in that final weekend where it's championship weekend and hypothetically you do well, that will help your case. He's 40 to one right now. And that's wide open, like in a wide open race, like that's a really good bet for a guy who's, you know, again, 19 to one from a touchdown to interception ratio. The other one I'll mention from a running back standpoint, Bijan Thompson. We're going to see him in the Red River rivalry this weekend. I can't believe how well I'm saying Red River rivalry so far. Uh, Bijan Thompson. Don't jinx 40 it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> I know. I really went for it on the last one. Uh, Bijan Thompson's 40 to one. And again, we've talked about the you know, mix and matching with regards to the Texas quarterback situation. Bijan Thompson's going to be the reason why they beat the Oklahoma Sooners, and they're going to do so on national television, and that's going to propel them. We talked about how much people love the Longhorns. So there's a couple of 40 to one shots that, you know, we've already got our ticket on Ritter at 66 to one. We've been riding that. And Bijan Thompson could be the best running back this year. And again, if Texas wins, that's going to go a long way to help his cause. And again, Pickett is the guy that I think from a stats standpoint who will get some chances on the big stage, we could see some major movement in, in that market for him at 40 to one right now. He could be 10 to one in a couple of weeks. Hopefully a lot of uh, DBs don't pick it versus pick it for your nice pick. Nailed it. On it. Nailed oh, it. Something like that. There's something there. I messed it up at the end, but there's something there. I was trying to hit you with a bar. <laughs> Let's keep things going to stop my terrible uh, rapping skills here, but we'll do some picks. Ah, that yeah. was the link right there, right? Pick there it, is. Pick it into Now we're going to pick it. We've, ah, we've got three games, see, and now we're going to pick it. Or whatever. See, I, I messed it up. I messed the whole yeah. thing up, but it's okay. Listen. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it moving. NCAA picks. Coastal Carolina, <laughs> minus 19 at Arkansas yeah. State. Right. What? That's a lot of points. It's a lot of points, yeah. my dude. And listen, I'm not in the business of laying three touchdowns on the road with a football team. Mm-hmm until <laughs> this week but this week right and so listen the this arkansas state team we had relatively high hopes for earlier on this year uh first game of the year they played with memphis right they were right there with them both teams scored 50 like we're like okay this arkansas state team they had lost their coach and their quarterback who had, had you know gone to sort of a better gig if you will and we're like okay like this arkansas team has a shot and then they go up against washington and they do not score and that was a washington team that we were like this team really stinks, right? And so we thought we were going to, we had something with Arkansas State at that point. It turned out we did not. And so now if you look at their travel schedule, right? They go and they go all the way up to Seattle, Washington from Arkansas. They come home, then just go over to Tulsa, Oklahoma, not that far away. And then they go over to Georgia and they play Georgia Southern. And they get absolutely trucked 
by Georgia Southern, a team that just fired their coach. They had a lot going on there with like guys doing shotgunning beers on the top of buses before games. Like they got blown out by that team. Right. And it's because Georgia Southern runs the triple option. And to me, it just looks like an Arkansas state team that's exhausted. Right. Because when you give up 50 to a triple option team who just by (laughs) nature is a ball control, like run the clock down type of an offense. If you give up 50 to that style of a team, you're probably not that interested in tackling. All right. And now Coastal Carolina comes to town and they're going to do it a little bit differently. Right. They are going to do it quicker. Right? They are going to throw the ball on Arkansas State. And so they could be up 21 here by the end of the first quarter, certainly by the end of the first half. And I just don't know that Arkansas State has the let's use the term gumption late in the game to try to, you know, to be able to backdoor this. And so okay. this is going to be one where you think you're you know sort of sharp here and you're maybe you're waiting and you're like, maybe you get 21 points and you take that. And then by the second quarter, you're like, oh, my God, they are going to get run off of their own field. And like, that's just, I think, what the situation is going to be here. So I'm actually going to lay the points with Coastal Carolina, ex- fully expecting 45 to 17, something along those lines. Another team that will be favored on the road is Houston yeah. minus six at Tulane. Yeah. And listen, we talked about it last week and it came, came to fruition. We're like, well, who's this Tulane team? Like, <laughs> why is the market obsessed with Tulane? They go on the road and they're favored against ECU. And we're like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. And guess what happens? ECU blows them out, right? We're just like, yeah, of course they did, right? Like, like okay, I'm, nobody's predicting a blowout necessarily, but we're on the money line from a home underdog standpoint, right? Like that's a go-to if we don't believe that a team deserves to be a favorite on the road. By definition, we not only have to take the points, but we are going to bet on the money line. Mm-hmm. Now they return home and they've got a Houston team. Like, have you ever had more fun in your life than Friday where we had Iowa minus three and we had Houston and both teams won like and covered and it was yeah. easy and they were, it was first half blowouts, right? Easiest thing we've ever had. Is that skewing me a little bit? This line was four and a half. I made it six. It's now up to six. So that makes sense to me from like a fair price standpoint. Mm-hmm. But like, if you've been listening to this podcast and I've been wondering like uh, why people think Tulane is good and Houston, you know, we just had a really nice showing from Houston that were full value for every bit of that blowout. Why wouldn't I be on Houston again this Thursday? Now, does that mean we're sitting there, you know, laying points on both of the college football games? And does that make me wildly uncomfortable? Absolutely. (laughs) But I think those are the two ways you have to look if you're going to bet those games. So How do we have to look as we switch gears to the NFL? Because Thursday night football matchup, I would like to think is somewhat of a big boy matchup. But before we we get to the details here, another reminder, you got to get to the full previews that are up on DRF.com slash sports, where we've already got the Thursday night football preview up there with our guy, Scott Grambling, who writes... The Seahawks, in part, this is one of the things he writes, the Seahawks come into this game having gone 10-1 and one straight up and 8-1-2 and two against the spread in Thursday night games under your boy, Pete Carroll. I, I added the your boy for the record. Scott, yeah, you certainly. That. Just, just got to clarify that part, right? It's certainly <laughs> now, my boy. That's an interesting stat and an interesting matchup with the Rams laying Rams. two points in Seattle. I'm going to be honest here, and I'm just going to say I I look at this game and I'd be quick to overreact to what just happened on Sunday, and I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to overreact to the Rams losing. I'm not going to overreact to the Seahawks winning. I don't like laying the two points on the road. I don't, but I'm going to do it. And I'm on the Rams. Yeah. (laughs) I love when you have that reaction to start. I don't hate it. I love it. I love it. And I think, and I think that's sort of a very sharp way to look at it, right? Where you go, okay, like, you know, we just talked about the concept of like, I still have the Rams rated above the Cardinals. I still have the Rams rated above the Seahawks. You factor in home field advantage and all that sort of thing. And this game kind of spits out pick them, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where the line essentially started. Yeah. And it is funny, right? Like you would expect people to be like, well, Seahawks won, Rams lost. Like let's bet the Seahawks. And you would expect that line to move in favor of the Seahawks, but it hasn't. It's moved in the favor of the Rams. And the thing yeah. is, it's like, yeah, it's very easy to look at the Seahawks and go, secondary is still pretty bad. Right. And, you know, whether it was Garoppolo or certainly Trey Lance, they weren't going to take advantage of that Seahawks secondary on Sunday. Right. And now you get the Rams in and you get Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Van Jefferson and they're running free like, you know, Swiss boys in a meadow and, you know, having the time of their lives. And you can see that happening. Problem is. I also see that with the Rams. Like, I don't know that the Rams secondary and like guys getting beat deep and like it's Jalen Ramsey and then a bunch of other dudes, like whether it was Chicago, whether it was, you know, basically every game that they played this season, right? Like they have been, you know, beat deep at various points, right? The Cardinals first score was AJ Green, you know, being able to beat the Rams deep and like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like those guys are going to be able to do that as well. And so Mm -hmm. I think maybe... And listen, I'm horrendous with the totals. We never talk about totals because it's like, I might as well just be speaking German. Okay. This does feel like a really high scoring type of a game, right? I don't know about the, what the weather situation is necessarily going to be like. And so it feels like that's the case. So maybe a look to the over if you are somebody who bets totals. Maybe this line gets to three based on the fact that it just kind of keeps moving here. Yeah. Also think it's a really good teaser piece. And it isn't the same tease piece that we see, like that we've seen over the last couple of weeks where it's like, do we tease Carolina down to minus one and a half? Do we tease Cincinnati down to minus one and a half? And then you're just like hanging on for dear life when all of a sudden like Houston or the Jags have a lead at halftime or third quarter or something like that. And you're like, oh my God, why did I tease this number? Like down, blah, blah, blah. This is a different one. This is one where it's like, it's not like the most fun you've ever had because the Rams could win this game by 10, but if we're getting to a point where this is a two, two and a half, and you can tease the Seahawks up to eight or eight and a half, knowing that, you know, Russell Wilson, even if they get down a couple touchdowns, like you think Russell Wilson's going to give up. I don't. Right. And so I think this is a nice tease piece to start the weekend. And I will mention this every primetime game this week Mm -hmm. has a very attractive teaser leg to it there is a thursday sunday monday nighter teaser here that is just screaming right you've got the ravens on monday night that you can tease down to minus one against the colts again congrats to the colts for the win against the dolphins still don't think that colts team's very good especially with the key injuries right quentin nelson's not coming back for the against the ravens defense and then the buffalo bills same kind of story here right plus two and a half you can get them up to eight and a half Against a Chiefs defense that we're not all that psyched about. I think the Bills very live to win that game in general, but you're getting eight and a half points. So you're like, wait a sec. There's a possibility of getting a Seahawks at home plus eight and a half. A Bills against the Chiefs defense 
plus eight, eight and a half. And then a Ravens to just beat the Colts at home on Monday night. That's a kind of nice little teaser. Now it's no, no such thing as a guarantee, right? And maybe you get a little spicy. There's a couple other games on Sunday. Maybe there's some minus sevens. You want to get down to minus one. Maybe there's some two and a half. So you want to get up to two, eight and a half, right? Those standard mathematically correct ones that you can kind of build around. But like, it's not going to get more obvious than these three night games here and the teaser legs that I think are really attractive. All right. I like it. I like it. And, and those things, when they seem a little too easy, oof, that's, that's, that's often are right. But this is not right? something that a lot of people are going to talk about, right? Like this nope. isn't like, Oh, you know, bucks are definitely going to win or anything yeah, like that. It's yeah, just yeah, value, yeah, right? Yeah. Like bills plus eight yeah. and a half. Like again, they might lose by 14. It might be like the AFC championship game last year mm-hmm. or, or that's just a really close game because the Chiefs are always playing really close games that often involve the other team scoring last, whether that means they lose the game or cover the spread, right? So again, a um, lot of value there, I think, in those three games. Well, the deep dives, my dude, this is why we love having you on the show. And especially this week, I needed a little bit of the therapy session. So I definitely appreciate that as always. I'm going to head back into the lab, try to come up with a little more, some better picks for myself here on week five. But we'll 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 dig back in on Friday. Is that is that a thing? Can I can I ask you on? I'm putting you on the spot, man. Listen, man, you might go six and ten. But you are always super duper fly in my books, which means I will come back whenever you want me to. So absolutely, I'll be back on Friday. Wow. Mr. Matt Russell, where, where can the people find you online? I'm not even going to try to top that or follow that up. I'm going to ask you, where can the people find you online, man? As always, and without the Missy Misdemeanor Elliot references, uh, at MRussAuthentic on Twitter, at M. Russ authentic on Twitter. Everything that I do over at the score gets retweeted through there. Obviously all the stuff that we do here uh, gets retweeted as well. So anything over there. And of course, all kinds of complaints and sarcastic remarks. And sometimes I even screenshot people calling me an idiot online um, for my ratings, which is hilarious because I didn't even make a pick Um, that (laughs) kind of fun stuff. We like to make fun of ourselves here, uh, you know, in our little corner of the internet as well. Um, So yeah, love what you're doing, man. And uh, happy, happy to come on anytime thanks to matt for coming on the pod and if you want to follow me online you can do so on instagram at sheldon alexander and on twitter at shell alexander but for more from a brand new project from drf sports head online to drf.com sports and if you're not familiar with the letters drf Daily Racing Forum has been around for over 100 years, giving you all of the information and data and analysis from the horse racing world. But now we're taking over sports. So if you want coverage on every football game, as well as the NBA, the MLB, and more, head to drf.com sports for all the details and insights. And the site, you have to remember, has all the data on every game, including offensive and defensive stats, betting angles, line movements, key injuries, head-to-head records, and team stats. The DRF data is what powers our power trends. So if you want to see which trends our analysts have selected, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to access the raw data, 
That's where you got to go to drf.com slash sports. The usual previews plus our in-depth analysis that you can get twice a week on this podcast. However you want your betting information, we've got you covered. But as mentioned, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to the DRF Sports Podcast. And until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the DRF Sports Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. For more sports betting advice, go to drf.com backslash sports and follow on Twitter at drf underscore sports.